Hey, it's KJ with Living Christian, and welcome to the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking Podcast. If this is your first time here, what we do on this podcast is read a chapter of the Bible, drink a little bit of coffee, and talk a whole lot about Jesus along the way. Each episode dives into Scripture and discusses it in a somewhat modern and relatable way. I'll also be answering some questions from my social media followers. They'll submit a question if you'd like me to answer it. Oh, and we'll drink coffee along the way as well. Although our main focus is reading the Bible and drinking some coffee, we will also occasionally be doing some interviews, some random other messages along the way, so be sure to check back often. If you feel the urge to support the podcast, you can do so right here on the podcast page. If this podcast helps you grow in your faith, maybe consider sending it to a friend or uh, maybe dropping a rating or review. It certainly helps us get the word out. And also make sure you check out livingchristian.org for Bible verse lists, Christian blog, an apparel store with a bunch of Christian t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and more. It's awesome. All at livingchristian.org. And if you're there, make sure you use the code podcast20. That's a special code for 20% off our entire store only for our podcast listeners. So podcast20, use that when you're on livingchristian.org. Now let's get to the episode. All right. Welcome back. Uh, so we're going to hit James 3 and 4 today uh, on this uh, Instagram Live and podcast and YouTube video or wherever you're uh, seeing this. Uh, we're going to be reading James 3 and 4. I'll be answering some questions at the end, and uh, we'll get going here on this beautiful Friday. So James 3 and 4, for those who don't know, <clears throat> James is believed to be the half-brother of Jesus Christ. So he has some uh, a short book of the Bible. There's only five chapters in it. It's one of my favorite, to be honest with you. I love reading uh, James. Or so. It's just chock full of um, you know just good advice and good guidance and good perspective as somebody you know, who lived and, and walked with Jesus and uh, after the fact kind of wrote this book uh, to help us get closer to him. So um, uh, we're in three and four today. Let's hit James three real quick, okay? All right, controlling the tongue. Whew. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Hmm? Indeed, we all, make, uh, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every way. It's interesting, he's going right through this entire chapter, at least the first half, is talking about how powerful our words are, right? good and bad, right? So how powerful that tongue is and how you need to control it. Uh, verse 3, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn from wherever the pilot chooses to go, <clears throat> even through the winds are strong, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. So he's equating to the bit in the horse's mouth, as well as that small rudder on a big ship. Small words, a small thing like your tongue and your words can make a huge difference on the direction of your life. Um, uh, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. That's an interesting line. That's halfway through five. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can, be set, it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. It talks about the dangers. James is talking about the dangers of our language and how we can make such an impact, whether we realize it or not, by the words that we speak. A tiny spark can set an entire forced on fire. So watch what what you say, good and bad, right? Uh, there, there are many times that, um, you know, I'm sure you're like me where you, you, you speak before you think, and I do that constantly. And there are many times that I, I wish I didn't say some of the things that I said. Uh, hurt feelings, 
um, and trying to understand the impact of our words is a, is a challenge. It's a challenge. Verse 7, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing may uh, come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, brothers and sisters, that is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring. Ooh. James is just giving it to us right there, isn't it? It's like, if no matter how good your fresh water, how, many, how good your, 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 your voice is, and how positive that you may be towards people and treating other people, the second you say something negative, it can poison the entire stream. So be cautious of what you say, whether that's being, whether that's judging us, or whether that's cursing, or whether that's um, saying things that you know are going to hurt people's feelings. You can follow up something mean with something nice, but the damage is done. James is talking about the damage is already done. Your words are tainted the second that you have salty words coming out of your mouth. Hmm. Verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth or boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So he is pivoting from teaching us about how powerful our words are, positive and negative, to now twisting that to the actions. Okay? Your words started, and then now you're into the actions. You're into trying to get wisdom from God. But if your actions are fueled by selfish ambition, uh, worldly things, uh, as, he's, as he says here, earthly, unspiritual, and demonic, those things are. So where our words lead is to our actions. And if you want to have true wisdom from God, you can't be uh, jealous, selfish, earthly, all those things. You have to have humility. Verse 17, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. I love verse 18. Okay? And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. How powerful are those words? When you go out in your day-to-day, are you going out with selfish ambition, jealousy? Are you going out trying to be a peacemaker? Because if you're a peacemaker, you're going to sow those seeds of peace and eventually you're going to reap from a harvest of righteousness. That is so powerful. That's what God wants us to know right now. 
All right, uh, chapter four, drawing close to God. Let's have a sip of coffee real quick. <clears throat> Good stuff. All right, verse four, or chapter four, rather. Um, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Boy, isn't that the truth for almost all of us? I mean, think about what's happening in the world today, right? And I'll just use one example, which is the the Russia-Ukraine issue, right? Putin wants what he can't have. So he wages war, and he schemes to try to kill it. But he'll never get it because he didn't ask God for it. And even if he did, his motives are wrong. I mean, you can equate that to our own daily lives as well, right? There are plenty of times that we go out and try to get things that we want. And even if we pray for those things, if our motives are wrong, God's not going to bless us with those. Okay? We have to think about our motives when we pray. There's a lot of people that come to me and DM me and, and ask me, why isn't God answering my prayers? I think James is answering that right now. Possibly. Possibly is maybe your motives are wrong. Maybe you're praying for what you want instead of God's will in your life. Instead of what you need, possibly. Okay? Verse 4. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world make you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meanings? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. And the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, I've highlighted my Bible, so maybe you should too. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears from what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift up your honor. You know, as you pray today, maybe ask God if you're too close to the world. If you need to be humbled. I know I do sometimes. There are plenty of times that I kind of get too focused on my day-to-day life and things around me and politics and worldly events and this, that, and the other. And sometimes I need to humble myself and resist the devil and flee from him. I love the line in verse 8, Come close to God and God will come close to you. Sometimes we're only as close to God as we want to be. Right? There are many times that we probably feel like God is far away from us, but in reality, he's always right there. It's us that's moved. It's us that's been distracted. The devil has distracted us, and we're looking in the world, and we're looking in the earthly things, and we're not looking to God. So humble yourselves today before God, as it says in verse 7. <clears throat> All right, let's uh, wrap up with this um, 
verse 11. Don't speak evil, and this is called warning against judging others in my Bible. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? So, that's, a, that's an interesting, because there's, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about judging others. Whether we should, whether we shouldn't. James is pretty clear that we shouldn't, that God is the ultimate judge, right? Uh, God is the ultimate judge. And so, as you're criticizing others, whether it's through your actions or, or through your words, at the beginning of three, we talked about the tongue. Be conscious of being too critical. Be conscious of judging others too much. Instead of judging them, pray for them. That's what we need to be doing. All right, warning about self-confidence. This, this is a good part here. Verse 13. Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. So, I, I, verse 15, or 13 through 15 is, is tough, isn't it? I mean, we, we, we love to make plans about our life. We love to, I mean, we're, we're coming up to the end of the year. So now we're going to make our resolutions for 2023. We love to make those plans. What's the old saying? If you if you want uh, to make God laugh, uh, tell him what you have planned, or I'm not sure the exact phrasing of that. It's, 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 that's the gist of it, right? Uh, God can change our lives in a, in a moment. And uh, James is talking about here, you know, we make our plans. We will do business for a year, make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? We don't. We only know what our life is like at this moment. Things can change. Things do change. Good and bad. I don't know what next year is going to be like. I don't know what next week's going to be like. I don't know what tomorrow's going to be like. I know what I have planned. I know what I have planned for this weekend. I know what I have planned for Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States next week. But does that mean that they're going to go exactly as planned? Probably not. And that's okay. God's plans are always better than our plans, right? Don't be pretentious. Don't be boasting. Don't be evil. Our life is like the morning fog. That puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Holy mackerel. All right, let's wrap up in verse 17. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So there's, he tells us that our life, is, our plans are like the morning fog. Uh, we, we, they come and go. We don't know what's exactly going to happen. We don't know how long that morning fog is going to last. And then he punches us back with, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So that, now that we know that we need to put our decisions in our life in God's hands, and His plans are greater than our plans, it's a sin to doubt God with that. It's a sin to move forward and continue to make our own plans and continue to try to carve our own path without going where God wants us to be. And that's one thing that, you know, people always ask me, uh, you know, advice for prayer. And I'll say this. If you want your prayers to come true, then pray for God's will in your life. Don't pray for things that you want. Or even, as James is talking about, our plans for next week or next year. 
pray for God to work in your life and then go with that and accept that and be thankful for that and rejoice in that. Your prayers will come true if you give your life to God and ask him to do his will in your life. The moment that your prayers and your plans and your thoughts and your desires align with what God's will is in your life, that's when miracles happen. That's the truth. That's when prayers are answered. That's the truth. So, as you pray today, think about how you're praying and what you're praying for. And stop maybe praying for things that you want, and you continue to kind of do it, do it, do it, and wonder why they're not coming true. Maybe you need to rethink about what maybe what God wants you to have in your life. Cool? All right, that was good. James 3 and 4 is a great uh, study. I hope you guys like that. So uh, as I mentioned, uh, I'm going to answer a few questions now, and then we'll get out for the weekend. Just a reminder, we'll be uh, we'll be here on Monday doing another episode. Uh, I will not be doing one next Friday. Uh, next Thursday is Thanksgiving here in the United States, and uh, I'll be traveling Thursday and Friday, or specifically Friday. Thursday I'll be here, and so uh, um, so I won't be able to do a live. But we'll be we'll be here on Monday, and we'll knock a uh, we'll knock another chapter of the Bible out. All right. Uh, I just saw somebody said good morning. God bless you, brother. Oh no, am I late? You we just wrapped up, James three and four, but I'm going to be archiving this on my Instagram as well as uh, the podcast. So yes, we do have a podcast. Go to Bible Reading Coffee Drinking. Uh, if you're watching this live or watching on YouTube, you can go and uh, and do that. But if you're listening to this on uh, the podcast, you're already listening to it. So there you go. All right. Let's see what questions we have. Do, 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 do. All right, what can we expect when we face God on the day of judgment as a believer? Should I be scared? Well, I would hope not. If you are, if you're confident in your faith, and, and if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, and if you have accepted Him uh, as your Lord and Savior, and you follow Him, and you should be fine on the day of judgment. The day of judgment, the end days, uh, are, are not meant for us. Uh, if you read through, uh, specifically Revelation, the book of Revelation. But if you read some of the other sections, there's Thessalonians, there's lots of um, parts of the Bible that reference the end times. The, the main judgment at the end of days, as Jesus comes back and, and, and casts judgment and reigns for another thousand years and casts the demons and the devil and the lake of fire and all that fun stuff that will happen one day, uh, that is not meant for us. We will be judged. And then we'll, he'll be separating the wheat from the shaft, okay? He will se- be separating these people, uh, you know, from believers, from non-believers. That makes sense. So if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, you have nothing to worry about, okay? You have nothing to worry about. All right. Uh, okay, I, I, I just see a comment. I usually answer the questions I think, but I do see uh, Carrie. Let me, let me try to grab it. Hey, I just finished bawling my eyes out thinking about my dad who passed. His passing brought me a miracle, which brought me to God. Do you recommend dealing with grief in prayer? And I'm just going to answer that because I have I lost my dad a few years ago as well, so I know how you're feeling. I absolutely recommend dealing with grief in prayer. Everybody always says that time heals all wounds, and there's some truth to that. But it's time, and frankly, it's time in Jesus heals all wounds. I find comfort in Jesus. I find comfort in the Bible. I find comfort in prayer. So absolutely, I I, I would recommend dealing with your grief in prayer. It'll get better. It's been four years now since my dad passed. It feels like four days. 
to be honest with you. But my dad, I know where he is, and he and I had long talks about faith. Uh, we, we knew all about, he knew all about Jesus. He had a personal relationship with Jesus. We even talked about it the days leading up to his death. I asked him if he was scared, and he said uh, he was scared of the experience of dying. He wasn't sure what that was going to be like, but he knew where he was going. So he was kind of excited to meet Jesus face to face. How comforting is that? How comforting is that, is that to have that perspective? Okay? So if you're dealing with grief of a loss of a loved one, specifically you who I know that uh, you're dealing with your dad, I'm praying for you, but keep praying. It'll get better. It'll get better, I promise. Jesus will heal, heal your heart. I promise that'll happen. All right, let's answer another question. Let's see what we got. All right, I want to. I want my family to get me a new Bible for Christmas. Best recommendations. Uh, I, I, you know, I use uh, those followers that know me and know me a, a while. Um, I use this Every Man's Bible. Uh, it's a New Living Translation Bible. I put my tabs in there. Uh, I like it because it has a bunch of callouts for me as a father and as a husband. Um, I recommend um, any Bible that you'll read. I'll put it that way. As you can see, maybe you can see behind me, I've got tons of Bibles. i got King James, i got NIVs, ESVs, and LTs. I've collected them since I was a kid. i got my, my little kid Bible. i got my grandfather's Bible. <clears throat> I, love, I love having my collection up there. I've, uh, I, I would say the one that you'll, the version or the translation that you'll read the most is the one I suggest to you. That's it. ESV is easy to read. NLT, NIV. King James is fine. Uh, I grew up at Southern Baptist, so I grew up on the King James uh, and, and so if you love that one, then go for it. Um, I will say that I do have some Bibles. I have my Bible uh, and a few others um, listed on my Amazon page. Uh, and that's I don't make any money on that. I just I have some listed there just for a, a, a reference. So if you go to, uh, go to my link on Instagram or, or my website, livingchristian.org, you'll see a little section that says my Amazon favorites. I have a Bible section there. Uh, that has you know uh, a bunch of different Bibles that I think are good, whether they're for men or for or for women. So take a look at that if you want to. Uh, I just did that as a reference because I get this question a lot uh, in terms of what Bible I'm reading, which translation, and, and so I, I put that on that as well. So uh, so take a look at that. Uh, it's uh, on my Amazon page. I don't know how to get there from Amazon. So you got to go to um, livingchristian.org, and I have a little graphic there. Or if you just go to my link tree on any of my social profiles. It'll have like a little my Amazon favorites on there. There's a Bible section. So I just did that as a, as a point of reference. So take a look at that. I would suggest if you don't have a Bible, get one, a hard Bible. I love having a hard Bible. But if you don't have one, download the Version app. I love the Version. I love those guys over at Life Church and Version, And uh, they've got, uh, it's easy to flip back and forth through translations. And there's a lot of Bible plans on there. So that's my other recommendation. All right, uh, one more question and we will get out of here. All right, do, 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 do. let's see, let's see, do, do, do. that's a lot of questions on here, guys. Um, do you do live streaming every day? I don't, uh, Olive, I do it on Mondays and Fridays, so that's the, typically my, my thing. I'll say one more thing, because this is not a question, but it's a statement on my questions, and we're going to wrap it up with this. I've been asking the Lord for a son. I miscarried in January of last year. And I heard, for whatever reason, you got cut off. I heard the Lord say to me that he was going to bless my womb. How do I ask him to bless me? How do I ask him to bless me? I'm going to take a, a sip of coffee. i got two comments on this. One is, 
I'm praying for your heart to heal from the miscarriage. I'm praying for it. It's, it's, it's terrifying, and that's tough. Okay? That's tough. Um, and I know that's uh, hard to heal your heart, and I, and I want to pray for you on that. Okay? The other thing is, you keep praying. As I talked about prayer earlier, where, where your will, uh, your, your desires and your prayer uh, line up with God's will is when a thing is going to happen. So, so as you're praying to God, ask Him to heal your heart from your miscarriage. Ask Him to bless you with a family. Ask Him, more importantly, what He wants from you. Okay? What He wants from you. Um, if He desires you to have a family, which I'm sure He does, hopefully, then He'll provide that to you. But ask Him for His guidance. And ask Him to heal your heart. And ask him for patience. Ask him for all the things that you need by if you're going through that process of trying to have a child. And sometimes it's tough. And sometimes we don't understand why things happen. Sometimes we don't understand why we can't have children. Sometimes we don't understand why we miscarriage. I get it. This world is confusing. God knows why. God has the answers. And we may not know it right now. Okay? Last question. I'll wrap it up. I said I was done. I see one on the comments. Do you believe in the prosperity gospel? I do not believe in the prosperity gospel. I don't even know what that means. Well, I do know what it means. I know what you're referencing, right? Uh, I wouldn't call it a prosperity gospel. I would call it prosperity teaching. Uh, what I mean by that is, um, if those who don't know, there are many pastors out there that preach that if you're um, uh, aligned with God and if you're faithful to God, then you will be rewarded uh, pros- with prosper prosperity in this world. I don't necessarily believe that. I do believe that um, the Bible references uh, a, a thousand times, right, that uh, our riches are found in heaven. That's it. Blessed be the poor, right? A lot of verses about that. It doesn't say blessed be the rich. It talks about the money being the root of all evil. It talks about you can't worship money and Jesus. It talks about that consistently. So no, I, I don't think that's the case. I think if you're trying to um, be a good Christian and fall in line with God in hopes that you're rewarded here on earth with money, I think you're misguided. And anybody that preaches that is is misguided as well. It's not about that. Money comes and goes. You can be rich, you can be poor. Ultimately, you're going to die. And how you live your life and where your faith is set and how much you love Jesus Christ and follow him, that is what's meaningful. It's not whether I can buy more stuff or not. So no, I don't believe in that. I think that's leading people astray. I think it's a it's a it's a cancer of the church, to be honest with you. Yeah, there you go. We'll end on that light note. <laughs> all right, let's say a quick prayer, and uh, we'll go about our weekend. All right, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together today. Thank you for loving us and guiding us, and providing the books of James today for us to learn from you, learn how to control our tongue, learn how to control our actions. Learn how to control our judgment. It's all there. You're speaking to us through your words, Lord, and we're so thankful for that. Lord, I'm praying today for anybody hurting out there. Whether it's the person who had a miscarriage or the person who lost their father or anybody else that are dealing with loss right now, Lord. I want you to be with them and comfort their heart, please. They need you so much. They need you so much. But we are thankful that you're there to comfort our hearts, aren't we? As we go into this season of thankfulness and thanksgiving here in my country next week, I'm so thankful that we have you to comfort us. We have you to help us get through troubling times. And we love you so much for that. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. All right, guys. Y'all have a great weekend. Uh, hopefully you guys uh, dive into the Word a little bit more, and we'll kick uh, another chapter of the Bible on Monday. Read it and talk a lot. So until next time, keep Jesus in your heart and forever on your mind. Love you guys. Talk to y'all soon. Thank you.